You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 174. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by Squarespace.com. To try out Squarespace for free for 14 days, go over to squarespace.com backslash lively and enter the code lively at checkout for 10% off of your service. At the end of the episode, we'll be speaking with Krista Butler of kristabutler.com about her experience with the service. All right, guys, today I am speaking with you from the Freehand Chicago. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but it is a new to me boutique hotel in Chicago. I love it. If there was more free hands around the world, I would be staying in more free hands instead of only predominantly Airbnb thus far. This hotel is fantastic. And if you haven't checked it out already, please feel free to do so. They also have a location in Miami and they're opening one in LA soon as well. As far as how this week has gone, I had a good low-key birthday over the weekend. And then at the time of this recording, I haven't had the Chicago meetup. But by the time you're actually listening to this episode, the Chicago meetup will have already happened here in town. So it's been nice to be back in a city that I used to call home for so many years and kind of take a break, even though I'm still technically traveling, to see friends and go to my favorite places around the city. Now let's talk about today's episode. Today's episode is something that I personally am very excited to share with you. It's something that's been swirling around in my head, and this is the thing about it. So there are a lot of spiritual teachers out there that I really admire and people I look up to, and I would sometimes love to know what is going on in their heads right now. What are they really personally working on in the present moment? Well, as far as what I'm working on personally in the present moment, this episode is going to go into many different aspects of what I am doing in a day-to-day practice in my own life right now. Realistically, this isn't something that I have now created a course about and have been teaching for years. This is the real deal stuff that I am focusing on, and it's all about the power of words. Feel free to adopt these ideas that I'm going to share with you if they resonate with you, and if they don't, of course, leave them out of your life. These are just going to be the real deal, nitty gritty things that I am personally becoming very aware of, and I'm finding they're really helping me have a better experience, a more positive experience in life. Over the summer, you guys have heard me talk about how we can choose our emotions and then allow the circumstances to unfold instead of waiting for circumstances to determine how we're going to feel day to day. Well, one of the things you can do if you're interested in finding out how you can change your emotions without the circumstances having to be the dictator of those emotions, if you will, if you want to feel happy, even if something that in the past might have upset you is happening, The power of words and mindfulness overall is really a great place to start, not just meditation. I know meditation, when it comes to mindfulness, is a big thing that we all go to. In fact, some people even think that mindfulness almost only means meditation, but there is also this idea of what words we choose that can also be a very, very mindful practice and over time can really elevate our emotional state as well. So why are words so important? Why am I so focused on this personally? Well, when it comes to meditation, as I just said, which we're all pretty aware of by this point, meditation is really about the observation of thoughts, about seeing our thoughts and being impartial to them, to not attach to them, to watch them come and go from the ego most of the time without getting emotionally wrapped up in them. 
However, beyond just meditation, in our daily lives, we can also choose our words and thoughts consciously. So when we're consciously choosing them and we're really aware and deliberate about them, that's when we can start to see if our emotions will shift and then attract our circumstances to be more positive. And even if the circumstances aren't more positive, let's be real, we can still have a more stable emotional place to then interact with those situations. So even if the circumstances aren't great, our emotions don't have to get wrapped up in them. And why is this the case? It's because thoughts that we have create our emotions. So if we have a thought for longer than 17 seconds, some say, that we're going to create an emotion around that thought and more thoughts will come to validate the initial thought and we'll kind of get into a state or an emotional state about whatever the thought was. And once we're in that emotional state, it's not even just how we're going to interact with any circumstances, but there is the possibility that we're also going to attract circumstances around us that will validate that negative emotional state, which stemmed from the thoughts. And it kind of becomes this vicious cycle if we're in a negative place or a positive cycle if we're coming from a positive place. So at the granular level, for really to look deep into this, if it all starts with thoughts, The thoughts, if we really look at what those are, are a string of words, which is why I'm so focused on words. Because if words are the building blocks that create thoughts, that then create emotions, which then attract circumstances, or even just help us to interact in circumstances that come our way, the words we choose are really important. And I've been finding that this, just like what I eat or what I watch or what I listen to, really does affect it. What I consume affects how I feel. And also what I choose to put out there in the choice of words in this case also matters. So basically, like I said, I feel like they're the building blocks of our destiny in some ways. Now, I don't think that every single word is worth being obsessed over. There are certain ones that I'm focused on and some that I am not. So this episode is going to be all about the ones that I'm personally thinking about on a day-to-day basis. And what I want to actually start with is actually the stuff that I'm not focused on, which might be kind of interesting too. So the things I'm not worried about are the big labels we use for super big concepts. So I'm not that picky about whether we use the word universe, source, God, Mother Earth, (laughs) whatever it is, if you're going to talk about something related to God or the universe or whatever spiritual source in general is the term, whatever it is, that's cool with me. I don't really care what we call it. To me, they're all labels for the same very large concept. The same goes for the ego. I don't really care if we call it the ego or the lizard brain or whatever other name you might have for it. Some people have their own labels for it. That's cool. Once I figure out what your label is, I'm happy to use that label and then have a conversation around it, knowing that we're ultimately talking about the same thing. And of course, the same goes for intuition. That's the one I use. Some people say gut, others say heart, others say Holy Spirit. I don't think that there's a wrong or right. It's just which label feels most authentic for you. So I'm happy to go with whatever word people wanna use in those situations. They all just basically have similar meanings with just different labels. So it's kind of like we're in those cases pointing at the same spot in the sky, but we don't need to fight or nitpick over which word we're choosing. They're all labels for the same ultimate thing in most cases. So now let's talk about the things that I am focused on. If those are things that I don't find important, which let's face it is kind of ironic since so many people go to such lengths to disagree with each other on those labels themselves, let's think about the ones that I think are in a day-to-day sense 
potentially, I would say, hurting my state, hurting my emotions and my thoughts and then creating or attracting circumstances that I might not really want. Or on the flip side, by choosing to switch out of these quote unquote negative words, then I can get into a positive state. So the things that I try to stay away from include negative idioms. So the phrases like, I can't wait to, or you killed it, or I die, or he's a pain in the neck, or this is taking forever. They're just phrases, we use them all the time, and we often don't think much about them. But I have become, and this might just me be being crazy, so if this doesn't resonate with you, like I said, feel free to ditch these, but I have become very sensitive and aware to these things, especially the phrase, because this is the one I find myself saying the most, I can't wait to see you next week, or I can't wait to launch the class in the fall, or whatever that I can't wait to blank, I'm realizing is actually me stating in the present moment that this moment's not as good as that next moment will be. And I don't really want to have that energy. For me, that you killed it or I die or he's a pain in the neck or this is taking forever. Those things, of course, I'm very aware of. Like that's not really serving us to have those. They're really negative states that we're saying every time we use those words. But when it comes to I can't wait to, that one I'm switching to I'm excited to blank. I'm excited to do the class in the fall. I'm excited to see you next week. It doesn't mean right now is bad. I'm just also looking forward to that next time when I'm with you as well. So that has been a subtle shift, but to me is part of what I'm thinking about. These small shifts that change the language I use, but in this case for the I can't wait to versus I'm excited to, still keeps me in the present moment. And the more and more that I get grounded in the present moment, the more and more I can shift out of ego thoughts to intuition, the more I can be flexible, the more I can be aware, the quicker I can get back into alignment. So these are subtle shifts, they're little things, they're not like the pain in the neck or those bigger things that are more obvious, but it is making a difference for me as well. Next up is swearing. This is something when it comes to words I couldn't really ignore because obviously swearing and you're thinking about energetic levels and how words are you know, impacting us. What's interesting around swearing is that I'm finding that energy and meaning is more important than the actual words themselves. So how we use them and the energetic level that we're coming from as we use them make the biggest difference. So some people might really have a strong reaction to swearing, positively or negatively. What I'm finding for me personally is that the energy and meaning behind it that someone uses it in means everything to me more than the actual word itself. For example, Regina Thomasauer is trying to rebrand and reclaim the word pussy, which is typically used in a very derogatory sense towards males and females, to be a very positive word to describe female genitalia because there's actually such little language around that part of a woman's body that is not positive stuff around that phrase. And so she's actually trying to reclaim that word and turn it around. So in that case, what could be used as a swear word in one situation could be used as something totally benign or even super positive in another. So that's an example of energy and meaning. I think it's also interesting as I listen to people that swear and also recognize when it kind of feels jarring to me and when it totally feels natural to their cadence and how they're coming across. And it doesn't bother me at all. 
So for myself, I kind of always am on the fence about swearing personally. I do it from time to time and I kind of go back and forth on how I feel about it. But ultimately, I would say that energy and the meaning behind it is ultimately for me what I'm most aware of. And the jury's still out overall if I would ever completely try to 100% stop swearing altogether or not. But that's something that I am aware of is what is the energy and meaning behind a swear word when we're choosing to use it? Now let's move on. One of the things I am trying to remove, and it's so funny to say, like I'm not necessarily trying to remove swear words at all senses because I'm not necessarily sure that those thoughts or those emotions and circumstances are always super negatively impacted. However, there is one much more seemingly benign, but I think much more stress-inducing word that really does create an emotional state and really does create negative circumstances oftentimes in our lives. And that is the word should. I am working on removing the word should in almost all cases from my life except for one very important exception, which I'll share in a second. First of all, you guys have probably heard me share on the show a lot that I believe that the ego shoulds all over ourselves. It gives us all of these shoulds. I should go for a run. I should eat a salad. I should go to work today. I should breathe in and out. Now, some of these, you know, I should go for a run. I should eat a salad. You probably may think on a daily basis as well. You may not be thinking I should breathe in and out, but that might be there too if we really get to the nitty gritty. However, all of these things from I should go to work today to I should breathe in and out in order to stay alive, these are all things that are truly our choice. We have the choice to do all of these things. They are not shoulds in our lives. The should, when we use it in this way, is basically, I've been really thinking about what does it mean? I believe it means it's an ego's expectation and it implies punishment to me if I don't do it. So I feel like the ego's expectations in the cases of when we most often should all over ourselves, like the I should go for a run, I should eat a salad, that's an ego expectation that implies that I should punish myself or I should feel bad about myself if I'm not doing it versus saying I have a choice today to go for a run, or I want to eat a salad today. These are different things. And I think that when we use the word should instead of the choosing or want to words, we're abdicating our own power. We're taking away our power. And basically, I believe it's kind of like our egos becoming our own disapproving parent, lording over ourselves with guilt and disapproval for ourselves. So for myself, the only time I try to use the word should is when I ask my intuition what I should do next. I do like using the word should when I ask my intuition. Now, what I'm doing is I'm actually asking for guidance from my intuition. So I'm not asking the ego what its opinion is with all of those other shoulds and expectations that are disapproving. When I ask my intuition, I'm getting an approving response. So because I'm getting that approving response, that is why I'm fine using the word should because I'm not asking the part of me that wants to make me feel bad about myself. I'm asking the part of me that loves myself unconditionally and finds peace in all things. So for myself, that's when I use it. But even then, if you guys don't love the word should, asking it to your intuition, I would say feel free to drop it all together. You could always change it to what could I do next when you ask your intuition for guidance. So if you don't like that word in any sense, feel free to drop it altogether. But for me, I'm finding that I'm okay with it in the context of intuition, and I try to avoid it. I basically think of it as kind of like it's like a knife, and I'm not going to give that knife to my ego, which will run around like a little child, and it might get dangerous. It might try to hurt me with that should. I try to keep it in the loving hands of the adult in this situation, which is ultimately my intuition. 
Okay, so on the subject of ego, I had a date the other day and I was sharing about what I do and mentioned this phrase, my ego said that I should blank. And he suggested that it might be easier for people to relate to me and the ideas I'm sharing if I just said, and then I thought blank instead of using this phrase, my ego, and then my ego said this, or then my ego wanted this. And you guys have probably heard me say this all the time. This is what my ego thought. This is what my ego wanted. Or this is what your ego thought or your ego wanted. As much as I think he was trying to help me and I think it was great feedback, I'm actually using the term my ego or your ego or the ego very deliberately because I want to create as much distance and objectiveness as possible between my awareness that I have as I'm observing the thoughts my ego has and the thoughts themselves. So I like saying my ego wanted X or my ego felt Y or my ego thought Z. I really like this because for me, it means that I'm no longer judging myself personally or holistically from that one limited, selfish, fearful point of view that is the ego. When I'm able to separate myself from that voice, I'm able to have compassion and empathy for the fear and the scared voice that it's coming from. I'm able to see, yes, I'm still experiencing that from within myself, but I am not that voice. I guess I could say, I'm not only that voice. That's, I guess, the big difference. I'm not only that voice. Yes, I hear it, but the more I can separate and distance myself from it, and stop personalizing that voice, the more I'm able to see if it actually aligns with my intuition or not, and ultimately get better and better at aligning with what my intuition feels and knows for me instead. So that's why I use the words my ego or your ego. They're simple words, but then once you use those simple words in your thoughts, your emotions are different. They're de-escalated in that sense because you're not saying I thought this or I wanted this because all that ego stuff is a lot of fear. So if you're constantly attaching your entire identity by saying I instead of just a part of you being your ego, then you're fully feeling all of that fear instead of just recognizing it's only a part of you, not your whole. In addition, there's another thing that I am trying to remove, not a swear word, but kind of my own version of a swear word, if you will, not really, I'm not demonizing it, but I will say that the word but, that word I'm recognizing is a huge buzzkill. So I've become very aware of what resonates on an energetic, vibrational, or emotional level. That is the stuff I've been studying all summer, is the vibration, the energy, and the emotion of things, experiences and thoughts and ultimately like we're talking about today, words in our lives. And I'm finding that but is kind of like this huge boulder in a sentence. And I would love for you guys to just kind of observe this and see if you're finding this in your own lives. Please send me a message if you start to notice this too in emails, in language, when you're talking to other people, and even in things like Instagram descriptions, which I'll get to in a second. I'm just finding that whenever I hear the word but used in a sentence, it's like the energy's going, 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 and then the but comes in and it kills it. It's a huge buzzkill. Whatever comes after that kind of negates the first part of whatever you're sharing. So this comes from the phrase Santosha, which you guys have probably heard a few times here on the show. We even have a t-shirt in the shop for jessalotheavy.com slash shop. You can see the Santosha shirt. Santosha is about allowing the good and the bad or not so great circumstances in our lives to live together without the bad overshadowing the good, to be able to live with both, to have the duality together and not just say that one casts out the other. 
So I'm going to give you guys some examples of how this but seems to stop our experience of positive and makes the shadow of the but take over the whole phrase or the whole thought and then our emotion ultimately and our circumstances. So traveling full time is really cool, but sometimes it's very lonely. Now, that's something we could say all day long. I could easily say that, and that's very commonly used in our society's language today. But what if I just switched it to and? Traveling the world is really cool, and sometimes it's very lonely. What I just did there is I said, sometimes it's lonely, and it's really cool. It's not one or the other. When I say it, traveling full-time is really cool, but sometimes it's very lonely. It makes me think like I'm warning you against traveling full-time or I'm warning you against something that really is just like a transitory feeling that sometimes happens to me and sometimes doesn't. And that ultimately there is a lot of good in this experience. Another way you could say it is, I love my 12-month-old child, but sometimes he drives me nuts. Well, when I say that, what's the energy there? It just totally kills it. I said I love my kid and now I like can't stand him and that I can't stand him becomes the kind of shadow total negating of the love that you have for your kid. Instead, you could say I love my 12-month-old child and sometimes he drives me nuts. Therefore, we're not saying, you know, it's always daisies and roses and it's never difficult, but we're also not saying I don't like my kid at all because he drives me nuts or I love my full-time job but I'm not in a relationship and that makes me very sad. What if we just live with both? I love my job and I'm not in a relationship, which sometimes makes me sad. Or even here's one for the business owners out there. I think this is something that happens a lot too. I finally started that business that I always dreamed of, but it's not successful enough to take full time yet. What if we just look at it right where you are? Here's the reality. I finally started that business I always dreamed of and it's not successful enough to take full time yet. There we go, guys. There, we're, it's the same sentence, but it has a totally different energy about it. It accepts where we are with the good and the bad, whatever we decide is good and bad, let's be real, that's all arbitrary anyways, but it's not negating the good with the bad. I'm personally, like I said, working on eliminating the word but as much as possible, And I just want to give you guys an example of this. I just saw this literally like 20 minutes ago on Instagram. This is a really successful person's profile statement, and it went something like this on their profile. It said, I make movies and television, but I'm interested in the world at large. Now, that's a really neutral statement, right? So what he said is that he makes movies and television, and he's interested in the world at large. But that but in there, I know it's so subtle, but if you really listen to it, I'll say it again. I make movies and television, but I'm interested in the world at large. What if he switched it to, I make movies and television, and I'm interested in the world at large? To me, that just opens up the whole horizon. He's so much more fascinating. To me, it's almost like abundance mentality versus scarcity mentality. Why can't he be interested in the world at large and make movies and television? Why does the butt need to negate the first part? So this is where I'm going with it, guys. Give this a shot if it's interesting to you too. It's also interesting if you get invited to something and you can't go. That's such a common thing to say, I'd love to come, but I can't because of X, Y, or Z. It's kind of weird, and I'm still learning how to phrase this so it doesn't sound super awkward, but I'm trying to say things when I say no to things to not use the word but because of that energy kill. To say, I'm so excited for you and your new party. I'm going to be busy today, so I won't be able to make it, 
and I hope it is a wonderful party. Something like that. I didn't even phrase that very well at all, but you kind of get the idea. I didn't butt it out. I didn't butt out. That is what I'm asking for, basically. The butting kind of cuts the good out. Let's live with both using the word and. Next up, we're getting to another one. Again, these are the little things you guys might be thinking are crazy, or you might be going, wow, I never thought about that before, and this is really intriguing. So I don't know where you'll fall in it, This one is probably going to be pretty new for most people and ultimately is one that I'm very fresh with. This is one of the most recent things I've been doing. It's using the word appreciation instead of the word gratitude. Now, I understand that this might seem to be nitpicking on a big scale, like this may not be that important to some people. However, I'm interested in trying it out as a recommendation from Abraham Hicks because of the energy they were talking about. They said there's a giant energy difference between gratitude versus appreciation on an energetic level. So I'm going to try to do my best to explain it from the way that they've been sharing it. So if you use the phrase like, I'm grateful for your friendship, energetically, it kind of feels like grateful is like, I'm, I kind of think of like Oliver Twist, like, please, sir, I want some more. Like, it's kind of this undeservingness. I don't necessarily deserve your friendship, but I'm grateful. Now, other people may not have this association with the word gratitude. So if you're not feeling like this is a fit, like I said, drop it. But let's switch it from I'm grateful for your friendship to I appreciate your friendship. When you switch it from grateful for friendship to appreciate friendship, I do kind of see there is a shift there. Energetically to me, I appreciate your friendship says, I don't necessarily need our friendship to survive. I'm not, you know, please, sir, I want some more all over twisting things here. I'm just saying I don't need it, but I really enjoy it at the same time. There is no lack. Basically, appreciation feels less clingy and more worthy feeling. We feel more worthy for the things that we appreciate than the things we're grateful for. And if you think about it, worthiness comes up a lot. And sometimes people use it in a positive way. And sometimes they think being grateful and feeling unworthy, but appreciative sort of in that unworthiness state. It's like, I don't deserve your love or whatever. That really is saying that you don't deserve great things in your life, which I think kind of in other ways plays out in ways that limits us in our lives. So if we just look at ourselves and try to find words that show approval for ourselves, not self-inflated aggrandizement like ego stuff, but just looking at ourselves as saying we're worthy of love and connection and using words like appreciation to denote that or good things or abundance in our lives, that appreciation is a way to make that shift. And also the word appreciate is kind of interesting because if you think about it, the word appreciation also means the word growth. So your interest appreciates over time. Depreciation is when things decrease over time. So appreciating things are saying, basically, I'm happy for this thing. Thank you so much for it. May I have more of this in my life, please? You know, may I have more love or more connection? I really appreciate this. I'd like it to continue versus being grateful for the little scraps that you're given. Again, I know this is maybe a little crazy for some people. This is something I'm thinking about a lot, and I'm still catching myself all the time using the word grateful instead of appreciate. So you'll probably hear me even in the future say the word grateful, I'm so grateful, because it's so commonly used, and I do want to have appreciation for things in my life, but I'm just so used to still using the word grateful instead. But I am thinking that it does make sense, and it does feel less clingy to use the word appreciate instead of gratitude. And of course, we're not saying we're not going to have less gratitude for things. We're just going to shift the word to an energetic level that seems a little higher and less clingy. 
Next up, we also have a phrase, the words, thank you for sharing your light with me. That word, your light with me, is the words that I have also been focusing on when people give me compliments. You guys have probably heard me share that before. I am trying to recognize that when people give me compliments, it has nothing to do with me personally. It really is all about them. And when I say thank you for sharing your light with me, what I'm saying is I'm honoring their choice or your choice in this case to share your kindness instead of attaching my ego to the praise personally. It's not really about me. You could have easily used your ego and shared your darkness with me instead of a compliment. So it really has nothing to do with me whether I receive this praise or not. It's truly all about the person sharing the information. So by giving this response back to them, I'm not letting my ego attach to something that really has nothing to do with me at all. It's really about where the other person's coming from. End of story. So that kind of helps my ego stop from getting self-inflated or feel too good about itself because if it feels good in that one case, then it's going to feel bad if someone's tearing me down. And I actually think about this a lot when I think about Ellen DeGeneres. I don't watch the show and I haven't seen it for a long time, but I remember seeing her come out on stage and doing her dancing in the beginning of it and people be sharing at you. And she would say, and maybe she still does this, she says, right back at you, right back at you. And she shares it back to them. So they're all praising her and clapping and cheering her on. And what she's doing is she's not attaching to it. She's just reflecting that light right back at them. And that's something when I'm on Twitter or when I'm on Instagram or when I'm listening to a comment or an email, that is something that it feels so good is not to try to attach to whatever information or praise is coming my way, but just to reflect it back and pass it back. That feels so much easier personally than trying to deal with the weight of it or ultimately the weight of if someone doesn't like something. Now let's move on to words I'm using in career. So when it comes to career, it's not like the word career itself is something I'm focusing on, but there is a phrase that happens that I think might be really interesting for a lot of people here. Because I know work and worth, the class I've taught, and also just knowing a lot of people that listen to the show often have had these struggles as well. This is a really interesting thing. So when we are in society, especially in America, one of the common cocktail questions that we ask first is, so what do you do? But here's a really interesting thing. Have you ever noticed that when we say, what do you do? We respond with saying what we are. So we say, okay, what do you do? And then they say, I'm a lawyer. I didn't ask what you are because I am is what you are. What do you do would be I practice law because doing is not being. But we respond with what we are. Does that make sense? So we say, so what do you do? We respond with, I am a lawyer, or I am an engineer, or I am a business owner. That is not even answering the question in the proper context. And I think that there's something so subtly sinister from an ego's perspective about this response being from what we am, what I am. And I always think about the verbs in Spanish class, ser versus a star. Now, they don't use it. I looked it up to go (laughs) refresh myself on Spanish. They don't use it in this way, but in my head, this is how I like to think about this question of what do we do and what do we say about our careers and how we attach our persona to them. So the word ser, S-E-R, is attached to the phrasings for our identity. So things that are permanent, like race and gender, and they do use the words for career in ser as well. But then there's the word a star, and that is to describe I am in terms of states of being, like I am happy or I am sad or I am moody or I am sick right now. Those are all temporary states of being. 
What I like to do is think about using our careers in the star sense, not the ser sense. So not in our identity sense, but in just simply states of transient being. So instead of saying I am a podcaster, I would say I have a podcast. So what do you do? I have a podcast. Instead of saying I am a lawyer, I would say I practice law. Instead of saying, so what do you do? I am a business owner. I would say I have an online business because I am not defined by my job. I know that sounds so subtle, but how much do we think that it would be easier to change or update or take risks with our career if we weren't defined in our own phrasing by our careers when we say what we are? Which one's more fluid flowing and ever changing? To say I have a podcast, it means I have a podcast right now. I may not always have a podcast. I didn't have a podcast in 2013. Why do I have to say I am a podcaster? I may only be, quote unquote, a podcaster for two years of my life. Why would I use that as my identity for those two years? Instead of just saying it's something that I'm doing in this phase of my life. It would be so much easier, I believe, for us to continue to evolve and update, grow and change if we even just mentally had this approach. So maybe we can still use it colloquially to say, I am a lawyer. But ultimately, I do think the phrasings that we say then get into our subconscious, then get into our identity and our ego attaches to those I am phrases and holds on for dear life, even to things like I am fat or I am thin or I am beautiful or all of those ams. Those things are then creating our self-identity that are building this shrine to the ego, essentially. And when those things change and evolve, as they do, because life is a constant evolution and changing, then we have all of this stress that comes up because we're no longer matching our identity. The cognitive dissonance, to use a psychology term, becomes too much. So like I said, I would suggest, and I try to recognize, I just say I have a podcast or I have an online business instead of attaching the words I am to things in my career. In addition, when it comes to work and self-worth, I also, and you guys have probably heard me or even if you've ever tweeted to me, you've probably noticed. So let's say someone on Instagram or Twitter says, I love this episode. Instead of me saying, I'm so happy you liked the show, I try to say as often as I can consciously remember, it's wonderful to hear that the show resonated with you because if I'm happy when you like it, so if I say I'm so happy you liked the show, which is so common in our society to just say that because it's the kind thing to say, but here's kind of the other end of that stick. If I'm saying I should be emotionally happy when you like it, then theoretically the other end of the stick would be I should be sad or upset if you don't like it. And really, it has nothing to do with me. If it resonates with you, that's great. If it doesn't, it's about you. It's not about me. That's why I like to say it's wonderful to hear, not I am happy. It's wonderful. So it kind of separates me a little bit. I'm not saying I'm anything. I'm no emotion. I do use the word wonderful because I want to positively express positivity in this case. But really, I still don't use the word I am in any way with this phrase. I say it's wonderful to hear that the show resonated with you. And it could be maybe not wonderful if it didn't resonate with you, but really I would just say it's totally fine that the show didn't resonate with you and that's totally okay. That's really the energy I think when I answer from that direction, the other end of the stick feels totally okay if it doesn't resonate with you. Nothing's wrong with me if you don't like the show and nothing is wrong with you if you don't like the show. That's why I like this phrase, it's wonderful to hear that the show resonated with you. We're each fully approved of in this case, so we can resonate with, with what feels right for us and no one is in the wrong in any situation. 
When it comes to the category of relationships, I don't have too many phrases except for the words I'm really selective about are around the idea of the breakup or the conscious uncoupling or whatever you want to call it that happened for me in my life last year. I don't like to use the word divorce personally. I don't mind the word breakup because breakup to me, a lot of people have gone through breakups that aren't always necessarily negative or bad, but I think there's a lot of pain and judgment around the word divorce, especially in America for many people. So because I don't have a lot of pain or judgment around my conscious completion or evolution of my relationship, I don't like using that word because when I do, I feel like it puts people into this state of mind that thinks that my relationship was painful or something to be judged about or something that was negative when I don't see it personally that way at all. So I just try to say things around it that are like the evolution of the relationship and that kind of thing because that's really more how it feels. I'm not trying to avoid the word because I'm afraid of it. It just seems to trigger a lot of emotions for other people that don't seem to really resonate with where we are personally. And I also like to say former partner instead of ex as much as possible because again, the word ex even just sounds like you're crossing that person out of your life instead of recognizing that they're still an important part of your life and they had an important part of your life before. For me, I want to reflect basically overall the peace, positivity, and love that I have and have shared with my partner in the language that I use around it. Now let's move on to my new favorite thing when it comes to words, approval affirmations. This is my newest and favorite switch so far. As you guys know, over the last six or eight weeks, I've been using the meditation affirmation. I love and approve of you, Jess. I love and approve of you, Jess, over and over again, five minutes a day in the mornings while I'm meditating to reinforce this idea of approval, that word approve. That energetic level is transformational, I'm finding. For example, I recently had a situation in business come up where someone wanted to do something with me and it was against my policy of where I was at with what I do for my business. So they asked about this request. I didn't feel comfortable with it. And so I told them, I don't feel good about that. I would rather not do that. And they were totally fine with it. And what their request was, I recognized ultimately was not a selfish request. I recognized that they didn't have any selfish meaning behind it. But still, even though that was coming from a pure place, I did not feel comfortable with it. And later I thought about it. And this person that had asked this request was I totally knew coming from this amazingly high level place, a very high energetic vibration, very good, very enlightened person, further more enlightened than me. And I knew that my response was coming more out of fear than where they were coming out of. So when that happened, part of me could have, my ego could have seen it and said, Jess, you're not where they are. You're not as emotionally, spiritually evolved as they are. This is coming from fear and you should feel bad about it which is ironic because this would be the ego essentially saying to itself, you're not good enough, you're not good enough because it's not intuition-led enough. So it's the ego beating up the ego in this case. But because I've been using this approval affirmation for so long, it came into my mind right as I was having these thoughts come up that I could approve of myself right where I was, that I didn't need to evolve faster than where I'm at, that maybe in the future I may respond to the same request in a different situation totally differently, but I totally approved and loved myself where I was even though I wasn't necessarily as spiritually evolved as this other person is. And that was fine. And that was actually so liberating to be able to give myself full compassion, empathy, and approval for where I'm at instead of saying, now that you see that you're not where you want to be or could be, now you need to change or you need to feel bad that you're not there. 
oh my goodness, it was a light lifted off of me. It was like a total boulder that I could have placed on my shoulders and carried around with me with this guilt and shame, totally disappeared because I didn't force myself to be somewhere or someone I wasn't. I approved of myself right where I was. So this approval thing is huge for me. I'm recognizing that if I can approve of me when I'm not acting in the ways that I might ultimately want to, that is the unconditional love. That is something that honestly in my own life, I don't think I really experienced to the degree that I would have loved to as a young child. I think that there are so many conditions put upon us from such a young age that we're not used to feeling that approval in a huge sense. Or maybe some people are. Maybe some people in your life have totally approved of you. And maybe other people in your life haven't totally approved of you, regardless of whether you are acting in the ways that they wanted you to or not. To find, to start to get that from yourself, especially when you're not acting in the ways that you might want to, makes all the difference and has really, to me, been a really powerful, powerful thing. So that's it, guys. That's to summarize. You know, those are the things that I am thinking about. Feel free to weave them into your life if some of them sound interesting. And notice how your thoughts change because of these word choices. Notice how your emotions may shift. Like I just shared that last example, my emotions could have gone down, down, down through the blame and negativity of not being where I wanted to be. Instead, I chose the word approve of you. Then I tapped into that thought, that emotion that created a place of safety, peace, and acceptance, and ultimately allowed me to love myself and move on without the guilt and shame. And the circumstances that came out after that also were more positive with the approval than they would have been had I been seeking ways to validate my feelings of shame around it. So here's a summary of those phrasings. If you want to have a quick rundown or take notes here, feel free to come back to this spot in the episode. In general, what I'm trying to do is be flexible about the labels for big concepts like universe, intuition, and ego. Those things to me are not that important. I'm very flexible with those words, but I am trying to avoid the word but. Like, did you just hear that? I just negated it. So look at that right there. If I just said instead of but... I'm also going to try to avoid things. What if I shifted it to, I'm going to be flexible with big concepts like universe, intuition, and ego, and I'm working on avoiding negative idioms like I can't wait to do something so that I can be more positive and focused on the present moment, which would be like I'm excited to do blank, but I'm also happy in this moment as well. Next up, I want to be mindful of my energy around swear words. So I'm not saying that the words themselves are good or bad as much as the energy and the meaning that we give to them is really what it's all about in that sense. As far as using the words choose and want to, those are things I'm looking for instead of the word should. I try to use the words choose or I want to and drop the word should as much as possible. I use the phrase my ego to become more objective and less tied to the thoughts that my ego has. Instead of saying the thoughts that I have, I'm saying the thoughts that my ego has. I also am working to eliminate or really, really drastically reduce the word but with and in my vocabulary as much as possible so that things can live in their dualities and be kind of fully there and not let the buts overshadow the good in our lives. And also to use the word appreciation in place of grateful doesn't mean I'm not trying to be grateful in general. I am trying to continue to practice gratitude. I'm just using the phrase and the energy of appreciation in that practice. When I receive compliments, I use the phrase, thank you for sharing your light with me instead of saying, I'm so happy that you liked it. And then when it comes to career, using the term I have blank or I practice blank career instead of I am my career. 
When it comes to responding to podcasts or class praise, I like to say it's wonderful to hear the episode or class content resonated with you. So you're not wrong or bad and I'm not wrong or bad if it doesn't resonate with you. And mindful of the language I use around past relationships because I want the language I use to reflect the love and care we have for each other. And I like to say the phrase, I love and approve of you, Jess, as often as possible so that I can begin to truly learn how unconditional love feels, especially when I'm not acting in alignment with my intuition as often as I would like to. So try any or all of them if they resonate with you. Try them on, test them out, see if you notice any difference in your energy or outlook. I hope that you find some of these helpful. And if you don't, that is wonderful too. And there you have it. Before I share where I'm going next week, I'd like to take a moment to talk to Krista Butler of KristaButler.com about her experience with today's sponsor, Squarespace.com. Krista, thank you so much for coming on the show today. So happy to be here, Jess. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm a health and wellness coach, but not the green juicing, intense exercising kind. My specialty is in digestion, so I help women work through things like bloating, constipation, and just feeling blah in their bodies. But I do this in like a non-restrictive, no big rules to follow kind of way. So what that looks like is I mix in things like being aware of the moon cycle, your chakras, and the principle of bringing pleasure into your day, especially when it comes to making healthy choices. Well, it's perfectly time to be talking about pleasure on today's episode of all episodes. And I love that that's something that has gone into your own practices with your clients, as well as I know a little bit about Squarespace has something to do with pleasure for you too. 100%. So tell us the story of how you got to Squarespace. It started three years ago when I started my blog. I got the recommendation from a friend to try out Squarespace. And I took her advice because I immediately fell in love with like the sleek and chic aesthetic of all the templates. So because I started to hang out a lot online around other online entrepreneurs, and they were always talking about WordPress and the latest plugins and features, I kind of felt this pressure that I needed to switch to that platform. So I did, and I paid a lot of money to get someone to shift my site for me. But then in November of 2015, I decided, you know what? I just love Squarespace so much more than WordPress. I want to go back and go with my instinct of what I love. So now I'm back to Squarespace and so grateful to be there. What's your favorite thing about Squarespace? It's the ease. And that comes in from a lot of angles because one of my value-based intentions in everything I want to do is feel this sense of ease. And now that I'm back with Squarespace, everything about updating my blog, creating my website, it's all ease. Of course, very excited to hear about values-based intentions and how it's interacting with your website, but obviously also with the work that you do and your life as a whole. So I know you have a wonderful tip for people who are looking for an ease-filled way to add great photos to their website, because that's something that popped out immediately to me when I looked at your site. So what's your tip and secret when it comes to getting awesome photos for your Squarespace template? I'm a really big fan of Pinterest, and what I wanted to bring to my website was this very visual element. So I started hunting around the web for really beautiful images, and there's some sites out there like unsplash.com and death to stock photos. 
that have free, amazing quality pictures. Two of my other favorite sites to get these from are Creative Market and Dollar Photo Club. So if you check those out, you can totally find ones that suit you and suit your brand. On my website, I have these gold elements that I've added to my pictures. That's something I just did in Photoshop, which was pretty easy to do myself. And it does make the site truly pop, especially with your template that you're using with all of those images right on the homepage. To have that collage of beauty really makes a statement when you log in and see your site for the first time. So for anyone who's looking to give Squarespace a try, go over to squarespace.com backslash lively to get your free 14-day trial and then use the code lively at checkout if you'd like to move forward to save on your service. So keep that in mind if you're looking to give this a try and then use those photo resources that Krista just mentioned to make your site unique and truly beautiful. Krista, where can people find you online? They can find me at KristaButler.com, Krista with a K. And from there, find me on Facebook and Instagram. Krista, thank you so much for coming on the show today. So happy to be here, Jess. And now for a sneak peek. Next week, I'm headed to Costa Rica, which I've never been to before, to go on a retreat with Eckhart Tolle. As you guys may know, Eckhart Tolle wrote The Power of Now and A New Earth, and he's one of the spiritual teachers on this planet that when I think about who is alive today that I would love to interact with in a personal way, in some capacity, while they're still on this planet, Eckhart Tolle definitely comes to mind. So I have no idea what to expect I have really, I haven't even studied the curriculum or whatever is going to happen. I'm just showing up with an open mind and a blank slate. And I am so excited to share with you guys what I learned from the experience. And I'll be sure to share on the podcast once I have some takeaways to share with you. Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today. Today.